where would you rather be than with us drinking your favorite drink, previewing the start of all the major European competitions, but with a lens on the top African talent that is littered across the continent of Europe. Welcome to On The Whistle this week. We will be previewing those top leagues, giving you insight on the top African talent. And I wouldn't be anywhere else right now then without Courtney Fries, the Premier Soccer League winner with Manning Rangers in South Africa and the man who holds the On The Whistle Spirit Cup, Courtney Fries, where are you today and what are you drinking? I'm in Essex Grays and I am salivating over a lovely glass of whiskey. Well, you got to show it to the camera because this is going on YouTube. And what is your poison of choice today? Uh, it is whiskey. It is from uh, Speyside in Scotland, Glenfiddich. It's a 12-year-old whiskey. Um, it is from a sherry cast barrel. So it has a bit of a dark color. It's a bit sweeter, smells nice. Uh, but anybody that knows whiskey, anything from Speyside in um, Scotland will know that's a good whiskey. You know what I love about this podcast is that we have somebody as urbane, as articulate as Francis and Quain, who also sips the finest stuff. So he'll be able to call you out if this stuff is fraudulent or if you're making this up. Francis, welcome to the pod. For those out there who don't know Francis, he's a sports media executive, a man on the pulse, and probably the smartest guy among the trio today. Um, Francis, how are you doing? And um, what are you charging your glass with? Hey Zay, I'm pretty good. I'm all right. No complaints. I take my inspiration from Courtney. Um, he recommended that I drink a Shivers 12 year. It's a Friday, oh. early hours. So um, we're keeping it simple. If a tree falls in a forest and nobody's there to hear it, does a tree fall? Did it fall? You've got to It fell and it made a lot of noise. <laughs> well, we got to see the proof. <laughs> Boom. Boom, boom. I got the whole bottle. Don't judge me. <laughs> and you know, for those watching out there, as you can see, I'm with two men with the finer things in life. I'm just a simple working class man. This is what oh, us lowly journalists drink. So to kick off the season and to kick off what we're doing, here it is. I'll crack a beer. Cheers to our friends. And let's start off the discussion by talking about the finest talent from Africa all over Europe. We'll give the ball to you, Courtney. Who should we be looking out for this season? Well, my selection as uh, as a top player we should be focusing on in the Premier League this year has got to be Sadio Mane. Um, he didn't have a very good season last season by his exceptional standards. He had an average season with 15 goals. Um, but Sadio Mane has had a fantastic preseason. I've watched him play a few games in preseason, which he's... He's not only looked exceptionally fit and hungry, but his desire and his goal threat in preseason has almost resurfaced. Um, this is a man that will always be pushing himself to play in virtually every game. The things that I noticed while watching a few of the preseason games were not just his goals that he was scoring, some of the tackles he was making uh, against defenders as well. He is raring to go. And it's also African Nations Cup uh, year as well, uh, something that my brother touched on a bit earlier. Uh, he'll be going into represent Senegal. So he wants to go there with all pistons flying. 
Well, Francis, I think let's let's bring you in there because in the pre-show you were talking about the African Cup of Nations and how that adds an interesting dimension to uh, the European seasons. Yes, um, it's been common experience uh, through the years. <clears throat> the players in in the in the Afcon years tend to give that first half of the season a little bit more uh, than they usually do because you have this psychological pressure of the fact that you know you're going to be leaving. You're not only playing to get into your national team squad, but you're also trying to justify where it is that you are. So they usually play out of their skins. They give it 110%. Um, so I do think a lot of our lads will be doing a lot of really, really good work to ensure that uh, they have enough in the tank, in the credit tank, for when they return after a month away from the club. Um, the pressures that they usually feel that is put on them, particularly by the media, not so often by the club directly, um, usually makes them have a little bit of angst within them. But they, as professionals, they tend to convert that angst into some form of positivity. And you find that the strikers are usually giving it a lot of effort before they go out. The defenders are just that little bit stronger in their tackles um, because they want to prove to where they are, the, uh, their daily bread. Uh, they want to justify that they are part of that house. Uh, it's a pressure that you don't want them to have, but they do exhibit it. So I do agree that people like Manny uh, will do a, a phenomenal job. I do not question that at all. But I also think that the man who will be partnering Van Dyke at the back of defense, uh, playing alongside Mane, I also think is somebody who will surprise quite a few because he's a remarkable defender. This is Konate I'm speaking of. Um, I think he is one who has gone under the radar to most people, and this is talking Liverpool, that is. I think a very shrewd investment over there. Um, he will come to be the person who I think with no Van Dijk, there might be no problem. Van Dijk is not exactly a spring chicken and we're yet to see how he will recover from his injury. And I think when you look at median ages around the teams, the likes of the Van Dykes and the Manes are all at that 30 points, 29, 30 points, which is a transitional phase. And I think even the, a lot of the commentators in the game are not picking up on the fact that when you look at the median age, even at a Man City uh, or at uh, a Liverpool, the median age is kind of high um, and the need to begin to introduce the next generation has to be a priority. And I think Konate is actually one of those who fits in really nicely into that. Brilliant analysis. Great segue back to Courtney. Courtney, you've talked about Mane. Who's your sleeper for the season? My sleeper for the season is a, is a gentleman who I feel is every manager's dream. Um, and the person I'm talking about is become even more prominent in the last three or four days because in central defense, Leicester have had four now with a serious leg break injury. So he's out for the entire season. So as a manager, you're thinking to yourself, I need to go back into the market. I need to go and get somebody who can solidify my defense. But he doesn't need to do that. What he needs to think of is be historical. Think of last year when uh, Sonchu was not ready to start the season, who he played there, who was effective at six foot three, athletic, tackling, 
back and forth. And then when Sancho came back into the team, he moved back into central midfield where he was highly effective again. The person I'm talking about is Wilfred Ndidi. This is a fantastic player. I'm very shocked that other teams haven't knocked on the door of Leicester to try and get this player. And I talk about teams even like Liverpool, Chelsea, even Tottenham as well, who've needed the type of depth in midfield and experience uh, and, uh, and in midfield and defence. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi, I feel, is a, a player that is just bubbling and his time is going to come before he cracks it at a top club. No disrespect to uh, Leicester City, but he is my sleeper player, a fantastic manager's player. You build your team on defensive ability, and he in midfield and defense has all the qualities for a top man. Francis, why do you think that Ndidi hasn't got that move to the um, football elite clubs, um, you know, without knocking on Leicester for what they've done. Do you think it's down to um, sometimes his, his, you know, his injuries? Um, I don't know if his injuries have had much to play. He hasn't got a particularly um, remarkable injury uh, I don't know, history or, or so. But yes, um, it has been a surprise that publicly there haven't been enough conversation around his talent and what he brings to a remarkable team. But I actually think that is actually a tribute to him because <clears throat> speaking with a lot of people within the industry, he is undoubtedly one of those talents uh, that everybody really respects. But if there's anything that everybody knows is that he is not an option to go for Leicester. They have built their team around him. Uh, you speak with people like Colo Toure who works with him on a daily basis. Um, he is one of the key names around whom the coach is building the structure and the style of play that has come to define Leicester. And I think it's much credit to him. Um, and even though he is sleeper player for Courtney, um, I would say to Mr. Freeze within that same team, uh, I think he is one of the players who would also be in the position to uh, allow another African brother in Patson Dakar to flap his wings. Um, I think Leicester have the potential to really cause uh, a bit more trouble than they did to many teams last year. Uh, the work that has been done by the management, the support that has come from the ownership. I think the way the whole club is run, the presence of our African brothers who we have within that squad, I think um, man for man, we probably are as Africans, the most represented within Leicester from management level to on the pitch. Um, uh, don't quote me, but uh, <laughs> I think Ihenyacho and what he's doing, the partnership he will form with Patson Daka, who I think is phenomenal. I know you love him and I'm going to let you probably uh, excite our spirits a bit more with that. But I generally think he is one of those guys who will really light up the league because people aren't expecting it of him. Very few know of his game, but that's more down to just how lazy we are in the UK. Um, this gentleman has been doing phenomenal, playing phenomenal football, doing phenomenal work at his previous club. His stats are off the charts. Um, and you, you have to give credit where credit is due. And on his very first game for Leicester, he tapped in one. It comes natural to him. Scoring goals, he does it for fun. And I think even in the Premiership, he will, he runs 
the risk of making it look easy, I think. Patson Daka is a man that the Zambian great Kalusha Bwalia said can move mountains because of his hard work and his discipline. And if you've been watching the Austrian Bundesliga, where Daka has been playing for Red Bull Salzburg, you would have seen an incredible talent, a man who scored 27 league goals in 28 matches. He was the top scorer in Austria's Bundesliga, and he was player of the season. And he's been a fulcrum of that team that's won title after title after title. If you're looking for the exact number, he won four Austrian Bundesliga titles and three Austrian Cups. So he is certainly somebody who comes in here with a reputation of being able to score the goals, being able to be somebody you build your team around. And I think will add some incredible ingredient and competition with the likes of Jamie Vardy and Kalechi Inacho, who I rate so highly, and I know many of you do. Um, do you think if you're Brendan Rodgers and Colo Torre and you're having those team talks, you are realistically looking at Patson starting? And if not, what does he have to do to crack into that Leicester starting lineup? Yes, I think there is an opportunity for Patson to start because Jamie Vardy is uh, at an age where he needs to be managed differently in order to get 50, between 40 and 50 games out of him uh, during the season. So it has to be. The, the thing is what Brendan Rodgers has got, he's gone to get a like-for-like -like striker. Patson and Darker is a hard-working, hard-running defender's nightmare striker. So you spoke about his goals earlier, but you got to look at the mileage this guy covers. He scored a goal against QPR in midweek at the moment, but just his general play of chasing, putting people under pressure. So as I said, these are players that Brendan Rodgers is blessed with. He's got defensively sound, talented, hardworking players. Patson and Darker is going to be a nightmare for defenses, say. Um, it, it, the manager may start them on occasions in the same team, which will be a nightmare for anybody. Imagine Vardy and Vardy's twin, Darker running at you, putting you under pressure with the, with the amount of pace and scoring ability. And in some days, Darker may lead the line on his own because he's that good. And then when you just want a bit of Philippe Selah, you throw in in a, in a nacho there. You just put him in with that left peg of his icing on the cake. I'm telling you, Leicester are a team to reckon with, with this, this season. I say you play all three. Ignacio, Vardy, and Daka. You got Madison behind him. Forget about it. Goodness. To do the Kane work. And he'll do the Kante work. He'll block off everything. And they just focus and, and going at you. No, but I don't think they bought uh, Daka not to play him. But I also believe that they... Probably are thinking that he'll need a season to acclimatize. And so it, it's probably one of those players who's probably geared up towards 22. Um, so a person like Vardy, maybe at that point in time, maybe uh, winding it down or, you know, who knows. But I think he's, he's one for the long term and how they, they fit him into uh, what it is that they're building over there. I don't think they, they'll put any pressure on him. Uh, they will allow him and manage the, the introduction into a new league for him. But let's not forget that even Mane, when he left the same club, turned up at uh, Southampton and needed his time to, to find his feet. 
Mm -hmm. But one thing you don't question is that to make it over there and have that experience over there at that level, you're a bowler. He's a bowler. He's got stamina, he's got lungs and all of that, but at the heart of it, he's a bowler, high level bowler. And once he's given the opportunity to learn how this system works and where they do square holes and fit him as a square peg into that square hole. And I think that's what Brendan and, and Colo then will definitely be working out, sussing out. He will take this lead by storm. I definitely think so. And no disrespect to a Leicester, but I think even that kind of talk we have about a Harry Kane at present, this lad has the potential to step into those kind of drug boots, to step into what the old great African nines used to do in this Premier League. Here I'm talking about their debayos at their peak, the drugbers at their peak, what they were doing where you said, yes, the African striker. I think he's in that mode. We've seen a lot of the new age African false nines, fast paced ball carrying wingers who can score a goal. That's where the Mane is, the Salahs, there's a myriad of those, even the Obama Yangs. He's not really a nine nine. Dhaka is a nine and there's a shortage of them. He will be going toe to toe with a Lukaku if Lukaku returns to Chelsea. And it'll be nice to see that it'll be us again, showing people what a nine is supposed to do. And it's nice to see the nine coming back personally. I, I think it's a, it was a dying, I don't know why it was dying, but it was a dying art form. Well, you've said Lukaku back to Chelsea. We don't know if that will happen, but we'll watch that closely. There's been uh, lots of negotiations uh, before the transfer the deadline closes. So, um, Francis, we'll wait to see. We certainly will be excited to see him back in the Premier League. But let's stay with Chelsea because I know, Francis, there's another player that's got your attention in the champions of Europe that you think uh, could uh, make a big impression this season. Yes, um, Monsieur Hakim is a gentleman who I think a uh, phenomenal football player. And Hakim Zayek here I, I'm speaking of. And I think with uh, the introduction of the new manager halfway through the season last year, we began to see the talent that is this Moroccan genius. And I think, again, with the argument, we open up our conversation with, with uh, AFCON year. I think he will be looking to light the Chelsea flame really early doors. Um, they will be competing for places in their squad. And I think he's one of those guys who will lock down his position. Um, as long as his head is right and speaking with his entourage, um, I gather he's pretty, pretty focused. Um, he didn't like some of the jabs that came his way after a pretty sizable money move, to be honest, uh, last year. So um, there is pride at stake. There's a bit of ego there as well, but the talent cannot be disputed. And I think it will come to the fore. Uh, the style of play of uh, the coach at Chelsea at present, I think works to his strengths. And so I really look forward to seeing what he'll be doing this season. But uh, he stands out as one of the players that I think uh, will be making a lot of headlines for the right reasons this season. Keeping the theme of Moroccan stars going, we're going to move away from the Premier League now and cast our eye to uh, 
Ligue 1 in France. And another Moroccan player who's caught my attention is um, Ashraf Hakimi. I mean, we all know who he is. He's one of the most talented wingbacks in world football. Um, he was a pivotal member of the Inter team that won um, their first top uh, flight title uh, in, in 11 years um, when they won Serie A. He was imperative to Antonio Conte's um, formation. Um, somebody who was a star player, Conte's obviously moved on from Inter. Uh, Chelsea and PSG were both chasing Hakimi. Uh, PSG reportedly landing him for 60 million pounds. Um, and a player who I think has fine pedigree, he played over 70 times for Borussia Dortmund. Um, we've spoken about the incredible work he's done at uh, Inter Milan. Um, last season, for example, played 37 games, scored seven times, and had 10 assists. And um, somebody, I believe, um, could really come in to that PSG team. And when you look at how it's structured up front with Neymar, with Mbappe, if you're looking for somebody to create, to be somebody who could be there to give those assists or second assists, um, and even create and score his own chances. This is a and you'd want to sign Messi. <laughs> and Messi will benefit from him too. It could happen. It could happen. I mean, PSG are one of the few clubs that could probably afford Messi's wages. You, you, you know you set yourself up for that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. I had to. You know, um, as an aside, I've actually intentionally stayed off social media for about... 12 to 18 hours, which seems random, but when the news was breaking that Laporta was saying he was going, and um, I've watched some Bleacher Report content, which has been really good, about his highlights at the club, and I just, I want to cry. Um, and one of the, one of the, one of the um, highlights for me, again, I'm going on a tangent here. Do you remember the Champions League final, Francis, when they said, he can't jump, he can't score? <laughs> and United. <laughs> In Rome, uh, Man United with a wide kit. If I forget oh. that, then the, I think then maybe God was being nice to me. <laughs> you know, there's an old saying, give somebody else your nightmares. But yeah. anyway, I, I, we, we will miss him. And I don't know why we'll watch Spanish football anymore. But coming back but, to the, the play we were speaking about earlier on. Um, the thing about this player is mm. he plays defensively sound, gets a goal every five games in the Italian league for a right back, seven goals in 37 loss season, which is very good. Obviously a very attacking-minded team like Inter Milan. But what they do have, and, and you cannot play in a Conte team unless you can defend, firstly. So let's just start there. This guy can defend. But this guy can also go forward and contribute in the other side of the field. So this is an absolute great acquisition for PSG. I don't know how Inter allowed him to leave. It may be down to financials as well. Uh, Francis touched on this a bit earlier with the Lukaku. It's, it is, you know, like the, the, the financial play at present is really, really delicate. There are a handful of clubs who have the money. And there's a great number of clubs who need to balance their books. What's been really interesting is the opportunity that it has afforded a lot of our African brothers. So like, like uh, Zayn was saying, I think this is a great move. I think he will have tremendous opportunity at Paris Saint-Germain. But the loss of that player to uh, the Italian league 
has just created opportunities for others who have gone the other way. Osime, who left League One and went to Italy, for example, I think he did a decent job last year, and he will also be doing an amazing job this season because, again, another ball, another nine, you know, all school. Right? It, it's it's a joy to see these guys coming back. But in that Italian space, there's a gentleman called Jeremy Boga. He used to be at Chelsea, and uh, this is a player who I also think he's the right age, um, just beginning to make the right noises in the right circles. But I think this season, again, uh, we will see this Ivorian brother really step up in a very competitive league. Like Courtney said, the Italian league is for technical players. It's To be a defensive player in that space, you must be able to defend. I think it's why the Italians won the Euros, even with gentlemen who are, some would dare say, way past their best. It's because they know how to groom you not to lose a game. Winning the game now is something else. And to speak again of a Lukaku or Chelsea guy, it's, I think his ability to score as many goals as he did or has done with Inter in Italy, I think if he were an Englishman, the conversation would have been so different. And the fact that people are even questioning if Chelsea should be going in for him. And I'm like, I'm crying why United let him go in the first place. You know, before, well, that was after Chelsea had let him go the first time around. But that's by the by. But I think he has grown into a phenomenal nine. And I think this is one position that we must be proud as a people, that we have sons who are rising to the challenge on a yearly basis to reclaim a space that once upon a time was dead in the game. Thanks to Pep Guardiola's Tiki Taka. And everybody was like, oh, you don't really, you just need these messies. If you can have three messies, you're all right. <laughs> but I think it's beautiful that this type of football is coming back again. An appreciation for strength, for power, for pace, but most importantly for intelligence. Because it takes intelligence to find the space to get past the defenders and to score the goals. But the Africans who've done it in the past were never given any credit for their brain work. It all seemed to be down to just brawn. And it's the same way we treat people even in defense. It's the same kind of thing. We have a gentleman in Varane who's moving to Manchester United. If he ever makes the flight in and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but again, it's the ability to talk about the brain in players. And I think there's a beautiful age arising where people are able to appreciate that, yes, there's a need for the physical game, but it complements the intelligence. The intelligence is what makes us love football. It is what made us love Messi. He didn't need the physical prowess to be able to get past the people. He was the exception to the rule. But when you have that physicality, when you have that strength and you understand your role and you're intelligent enough to pull the defenders away, or to turn or make the quick turn away from them, or to feign the keeper. It's brain work. And we must learn even in our commentary to give credit where credit is due. And it starts with the brain, not just the physique. And I like that it's our African players who are at the forefront of this new revolution. I was going to say, Francis, and I know we're going to give you the last word on um, a goalkeeper that we all love and you know we all look out for. But the Italians renowned for Catanaccio, to your point earlier, we all thought it was going the way of um, tiki-taka and possession and high pressing and, you know, 
um, that was the that was the progressive way we play in the modern world. But you know, Italy have shown us that you can still be defensively sound and win championships. Um, and one of the players who I think doesn't get enough love, he was getting it two years ago at Napoli, Calado Kulibali. I think even though he's into this third decade, this man is still an exceptional player, a guy who can still stand up with the best in the world. And a player who I know often gets linked with moves, but he never seems to leave Napoli. And Spalletti has said that this is the best player he's ever coached. Yes. And not only the best player, the best man. Yes. I mean, that's, that's quite incredible. And I'm sitting here and going, right, you're entering 30. You've played in Italy. You understand Catanaccio. Um, we talk about Cellini and we talk about Monucci and we, you know, we talk about all those great uh, um, Italian defenders. Maldini. But this is a guy who needs to that be is. in conversation, right? If he was if he was Italian, he would have won the European Championships with Italy. Yes, very true. But we have Paris Saint Germain who are also very very interested in Koulibaly. You know, uh, his name is like you rightly say his name has always been mentioned. But I think he has also been one of those players that Napoli did not want to let go of. Um, the coach rated him so highly. But most importantly, the management, the ownership, have a very intimate and personal relationship with him. So I think sometimes for players, it becomes a bit hard because you look at those other previous examples of the players who've been able to sit in one place and have a post-on-pitch life at that club because of your loyalty. And I'm sure it plays on his mind a little bit. You know, you could say, okay, you need to win things and... And there are many who have won things. But the truth is, at the end of the day, we really end up remembering those who stay in the game. There are many people who have won things and gone onto pastures where they died and we didn't even notice. But they won things. We don't really remember every member of the 25-man squad that won the Champions League. But they will tell you the argument is, that, well, you need to move on to win things. It's not what you eat. It's the relationships you build. And I think the really intelligent players sometimes uh, begin to think of that very early on. And so they invest a bit more time in building those relationships that could serve them in the latter years. And I think a person like him, he's now at the kind of stage where even if he were to move on, uh, the moments where he turned down opportunities to go earlier on could serve him in good stead in terms of his relationship with the club. But if he stayed on, he would be nigh on guaranteed that he can move on to the next phase of his career within the same club. Well, I was going to say, gentlemen, I'm done with my Brewdog IPA. By the way, they, they do not sponsor us. This is just what I'm enjoying this Friday night. And if you're with us and you're enjoying your time around the virtual barbecue, you see Shivas, you see Courtney's. Give me it again, Courtney. Glenn Phillips, 12 year old. Space Shiva sponsor fight. Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're around us, if you you know what you've crapped open your your poison of choice or your coffee or your tea, just know that we encourage no drinking and driving. So please don't do that. That's a no no. And don't drink excessively. Drink moderate. Drink in moderation. But 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 Francis, I am going to give you the last word because there's an African goalkeeper who you know the world and Europe knows about. Uh, you mean Mr. Onana? Mr. Onana is a phenomenal, and I don't speak about him because he's Cameroonian. Um, 
he is Cameroon's number one keeper. Um, he he will be part of the AFCON, undoubtedly, whether he, he's got a club or not, he's that good. But I do think there's a tremendous opportunity for him to have his pick of clubs. And Ajax have been particularly supportive. I have to commend them for, they're the ones who led the battle with the officials. Uh, everybody understands that there was nothing intentional in the doping. It's a matter of the letter of the law. Um, it's really sad because I think they could have shown a, a bit more humanity uh, towards it, but rules are rules. But we do know he can play from November. And at present, uh, he, it seems he has turned down the move to Lyon as of day before yesterday. Um, and part of the argument is that interests have come from the Premier League. Uh, if these things materialize, um, any of the options uh, materialize for him, I think he would make a fantastic last point of defense for any club, my club included. If you asked me, uh, Henderson, Henderson? Yep. Yes. yes <laughs> I doubted my knowledge of Man United myself. Henderson, Gaya, Heaton. Yes. That's the three goalkeepers you'll have. That's it. And if you ask me Onana as an option, at this point in time, I would say Onana for the future. He's age-wise with uh, uh, Henderson, not much difference. So I'd put them toe-to-toe and see where it goes. Um, he's that good. Um, he's a bit different to what you have in an Allison or what you have in City. Um, the style of, of, of keeping is different. But top, top, top keeper. And I think uh, he will land somewhere and make a difference to, to a club. Totally agree with that, Zane. Um, I know you said you're giving Francis the final word, but he was one of my sleeper players that I potentially had. Uh, it was between him and Wilfred indeed. I just feel that Onana is someone who is simmering. And when I saw Leon come in for him, I almost, I almost thought to myself, my goodness, these guys have got a player, but they've got to tie him down to a long-term contract because they won't have him for long. They won't. He is that good. Because he's going to explode onto the scene physically, a totally different keeper. And I, I agree with you. Man United could take him and he would walk into that team because he is just so different and physically imposing in comparison to the other three goalies that are there. Um, but his time will come, like Mendy at Chelsea, who's proving himself to be a very capable, wise goalkeeper. Onana's time is going to come way. And, and is the Leon deal concluded or have other people come in that have made him change his mind? Well, as of day before yesterday, uh, there was a pause in the conversations. And that would appear to be more because of interests that have come out of the UK shores. <laughs> well, you know what? We are out of time on this podcast. So thank you guys for that amazing discussion. We love being around the Brian. If you're listening out there and you're with us, Go on, leave a rating, leave a review. If you've come this far, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us who you think will win the Spirit Cup this season. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the Spirit Cup is, um, Courtney will, if, if, you, if you rewind to a couple of episodes, Courtney will be able to tell you what the Spirit Cup is. And we're not talking about Chevis here. <laughs> <laughs>
Courtney, too well. Francis, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. It's been great chatting and we certainly look forward to a great season of, of football that's about to start in Europe. So excited. Thank you so much, everybody. Very excited. Thank you again. Have a good one. Ciao, yeah. ciao.